If you have the word of the Lord with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 17. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself a twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. So I want us to note that as verses 11 through 13 are one sentence, so are verses 14 through 17. It's one sentence. So we got to remember again that when this epistle was written, there were no chapters and no verses. So we have to go on that verses 14 through 17 are one sentence, and within that, they are, it's, it's one thought. And that thought is, is showing what God has done for his people through Jesus Christ. So we're looking at that, and we see that in verse 14 it says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now the things that I'm going to be bringing out today, and the things I'm going to be reading, are going to be with basically taking this as one thought here. So we need to look at it. For he is our peace, so Christ is what? Christ is not only our peace, but he's the author of our peace. He is. And he's the one, because what he died upon the cross, he died upon the cross and gave us peace one with another. He is called what? The Prince of Peace. And if we go into uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So, you know, it's that peace of God that passes all understanding and it keeps our hearts and minds in and through Christ Jesus. You know, the way to peace is to take away, is to take away that which bars it, which, which keeps us separate from having peace. And this was in Brother Leroy, yeah, Brother Leroy has given me a book on Paul Bain. And it said to make two rooms into one, you must beat down the wall which forms the partition. So he had, to, he had to do that away. And he is the one. He's broken down that middle wall of partition, the middle wall of division between Jews and Gentiles. See, there was, it was always, there was always that way. You know, he's not only just ours, he's also the author of peace between Jew and Gentile. You gotta understand, Jews and Gentiles didn't really get along, did they, Brother Roger? They just didn't. They, they couldn't get along. We can see that Jesus even called, you know, 
it's not it's not right to give the the children's bread and to give it unto dogs. He's talking about the Gentiles because it was that woman that came and wanted her daughter healed. So we can see he's broken down that middle wall of partition. He is our peace. Isn't it wonderful? He is our peace and who hath made both one. Both one. It's like when you get married, right, Carl? It says the two shall become as one. And through Jesus Christ, the two, the Jew and Gentile, have been made one through the blood of the cross. It's through the blood of the cross. You know, when we look at these things and we see that with with Jews and Gentiles, what was it? They became one people. They became one body. They were one church. They one mind. They agreed in one. They had one head, Jesus Christ, who represented them both. And if we look in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we can see, when he sits there, he talks about that we should walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. We have been called to be Christians, haven't we? We're part of God's family. If you look in Ephesians chapter 1, you're going to see we're part of his family. You know, we're supposed to have what? Lowliness and meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another. Endeavoring, endeavoring, attempting, attempting to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's that word peace, the bond of peace. Look at what it says. Remember, I was, it was just what I was talking about. Let me get my paper back out here. And, oh, it's right here. Um, what does it, what does he say? He says, there's one body. There's one body and one spirit. Even just, even just as you are called in one hope of your calling. And what does it say? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, all is above all and through all and in you all. So we can see these things. He's broke this all down. And he's made of two, one new man. And it's only through Jesus Christ and the blood of his, that he shed upon the cross that he can do this do this to each and every one you know it's 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 so when we look at that and we have to read these things and we read them and we study them out and we see how good god has been to us through the years i'm not talking about one or five or ten years but thousands of years for a little over two thousand years since he died upon the cross and he's been there for us all the time in those 2,000 years, you know, when, when he was, was crucified and he died and he was buried and he rose again the third day, where did he go when he arose? He arose to sit on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. For over 2,000 years, that middle wall of partition has been broke down. Now, we do know that there are some of the Jewish faith don't, do not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. 
you know, and he or he was not the savior that came into the world. But this Bible, this book tells me differently that what he did for each and every one of us as we look at these things, you know, has broken down the middle wall of partition, that middle wall of division between us. And we can see when you look back, when you look back to 11 and 12 and 13, you know, we can see the vast difference that was between us. And there was only one that could have accomplished and brought this together, and that was Jesus Christ. as nobody else. They tried for years and years and years to do it. Even when Jesus went to the well with the Samaritan woman. And he says, the woman sat there and said, why are you a Jew talking to me? So the Jews have no dealings or don't do anything with the Samaritans because they were, what again? They were Gentiles. Gentiles, oh, excuse me, in the flesh. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. We have to realize that middle wall of partition that was between them, Brother Roger, was what? The ceremonial law. We'll get into that a little bit later. It wasn't the moral law. The moral law was good for Jews and was good for Gentiles. But the ceremonial law, when you get into the Old Testament and you read the things that were set forth by God that he gave unto Moses, all the different sacrifices that they had to do and everything. We can see, remember last week we said, without the shedding of blood is what? No remission of sins. The same is true here. Back then, they shed the blood of bulls and goats and of calves, right? But Jesus Christ, and we're going to get, he's broken down that middle wall of partition. Remember when he was crucified, what happened? The veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. It was rent in twain. Rent in two. That the way into the holiest of holies was now made manifest through Jesus Christ. There was a separation between Jew and Gentile before they were brought together by Jesus Christ. And when we look at it, isn't it, isn't it wonderful? I haven't used that word for a while, have I, darling? Wonderful. You know, I, I just, we'll go back a little bit. Um, when we baptized Vincent over at the church over the way there, and Brother Leroy had recorded it, and they, evidently I must have said the word wonderful because a friend of Christina's was down here. Um, what's her name, darling? Have a senior moment. Nicole. And she told, she, she was there, and she goes, she told Mabel, she goes, boy, she goes, Dave sure does like that word wonderful a whole lot and everything. <laughs> and I sat there and I, when I watched the video, it was, it was, there was about, what a minute, seven or eight or nine times I said the word wonderful and everything. But it is really wonderful what, what, what Jesus Christ has done for us and what God has done for us through his son. You know, that his, his plan of salvation from the, from the foundation of the world, that God knew everything that was going to happen. Remember, um, he's, Leroy was talking about the attributes of God. He's, he's omniscient. He's omniscient. That means he, he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. So it's, when we look at that, um, they, they were alienated one from another. 
they were alienated. Look at, look at verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So we can see that they were alienated one from another. So something had to happen. Something had to happen. Because remember when we look in, in, in verse 4, there's only one body, there's only one spirit. There's one Lord, there's one faith, one bat, there's one God. There's not two gods. So when we look at these things, when we start realizing what God has, has accomplished for us, for us. Now, I, I had to write down some things because sometimes I can't remember everything that I want to bring out. I know, I know Brother Roger, he remembers everything, so I, you know, but I, I, I gotta, I gotta write down some things. So we have to look at it. At, at, but when they had time, you know, they had different objects of worship. They had different religious rites. They had different views and feelings. Now, this is what I was talking about earlier. The Jews regarded Gentiles with hatred. This is very, very real. Very real to live at that time. And the Gentiles regarded the Jews with scorn. We gotta understand because the, the Jews were always putting the Gentiles down. So they were, the, you can imagine the Gentiles they were like, who do these people think they are? You know, they think they're way up high, high and mighty and whatever. You know, and they think of us as the dust of the earth or as dogs and everything like that. Not worthy of their God. And everything that they believed in, everything that God did for them. You know, God was good to Israel. We got to understand that, you know. I mean, they were in captivity for what? Over 400 years in Israel. And then he brought them out with a high hand. He really did. And got them out of there. He watched over them in the desert. But we have to watch out because when we become complacent, remember when they sent out spies into the land, to go into the promised land. And they came back and said, oh, it's a, it's a wonderful land. It flows with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to bear it on a, on a, a beam between two people and everything. That's how good this land was. My favorite word is but. But. This is not a good but. But they said, oh, there's giants in the land. The, 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 the cities are have big walls on top of it. There's no way that we can do this. Now, you would think that somebody that had seen everything that God had done for Israel, that they would trust in him, that God would go in with them and would help them take over this land. But because of their disobedience, what happened? They wandered 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Now, you might say, why did he pick out 40 years? Why did he pick out 40 years? Because they were in the land for what? They went and spied out the land for what? 40 days. So one year for each day that they went in there. And it was really... God, you know, there's consequences to our actions. I know I'm getting a little bit off of what I'm talking There's consequences to our actions. Because they were like that. God said what? 
all these people from a certain age and up that were rebellious were not going to enter into the promised land. And they wandered 40 years until they all died. Hmm, did Was it all of them, Brother Roger? No, there was two. Two people that trusted in the Lord. Caleb and Joshua. And God said, these two are going to enter into the promised land. Now remember, Moses didn't go into the promised land. Why didn't he go into the promised land? Because God said, strike that rock and water will come out. And Aaron and Moses stood in front of that rock and struck it. And what did Moses say, Brother Roger? Must we bring you water out of the rock? Because of that one indiscretion, consequences to our actions, God said what? Moses, you didn't give me the glory. You took all the glory. Therefore, what? You're not going to enter into the promised land. But he will reside with us in immortal glory. So we look at these things. Look at, look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Apostle Paul writes, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile or unite all things under himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So he's made peace through the blood of his cross. What Jesus Christ did upon the cross for each and every one. We look at that. So, we look at he says he broke he broke down that middle wall of partition between us. You know, now they are at peace. Remember, we were just talking the differences. They worship the same God, they have the same Savior, they have the same hope. Remember at, at the end in 12 what it says, and having no hope. They now have that same hope. They look forward to the same heaven. And they belong to the same redeemed family. We're all in that same one family. And that's what we can look at and we can, we can realize that, that he, he has been so good unto us. You know, in, in chapter one of verse five, he's predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace where he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So we, we need to realize that one thing, Paul was what? Paul was a Jew. I know we start thinking because he was sent unto the Gentiles, sometimes we think of him as a Gentile, but he was a Jew. <coughs> but he was... He was sent unto the Gentiles to preach the gospel unto them. The good news of Jesus Christ and what he did for, for them, for Jew and Gentile, upon the cross. It's awesome when we look at these things and see these things. In verse 15, he says, he's abolished, having abolished in his flesh. So having taken away in his flesh the enmity, the enmity, we're looking at we're, when he says enmity, people that were at odds with each other. 
He says, so what has he done? He's, he's abolishing Israel, the enmity, the difference. We're talking about how they're all one now. The differences they had. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. We're talking about these things. For to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. When we look at these things, he's abolished, having abolished. He's having put an end to it. The ceremonial law but not the moral law. That's what I want. I brought out a little earlier. He's done that. He's put an end to it. But he's only, it's the ceremonial law. Go back into the Old Testament and search some of these things out. The ceremonial laws. Remember we talked about it last week. It's, it's, it's not right that the, that, that the blood of bulls and goats and calves should take away sin. But it should be only by what? The precious blood of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. So when we look at these things, we see these things. You know, in his flesh, by the cross, it was his death which put an end to the law of ceremonies. The law of ceremonies, because he, when that temp, the veil of the temple was rent in two. You know, it, we got to realize that it was unlawful, unlawful, for anybody, anybody but the high priest to go into the holiest of holies. And he only did it once a year. And remember, you, we've, 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 we've talked to you about how they had to put the rope on him, on his leg when he went in. Because if something ever happened to him and he died, nobody could go in and get him out. Now, I don't know what the rule was or what the what the procedures were to get a new high priest, you understand? <laughs> but you couldn't just leave the guy laying in there. So they, they, had, they had to get him out. And isn't it, which, the ceremonial law, so that was done away with. No more did every year did the high priest have to go in, even though they continued to do it, Carl, because they didn't, they didn't realize that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. So they kept on doing that sacrifice for sin. But for those that were now part of his family, adopted into his family, that didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen every year. Jesus Christ did not have to die every year, did he? He did it once and for all. That was it. You know, that's where it means it is finished. That's where he meant it is finished. The work of salvation, it was done. It was complete. Jesus Christ died. He didn't have to die every year for the sins of the people. He did it once and for all. He was that perfect sacrifice for sins. Even though those bulls and those goats and those calves had to be without blemish. Read the, read the Old Testament. Every sacrifice they had had to be without blemish. If it had a blemish, what was it, Brother Rod? It wouldn't be accepted. It wouldn't be accepted. But Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice for sin. So it didn't have to happen every year. That's why we have to understand that he's abolished in his flesh that enmity. He is is in his flesh, in his flesh, to make himself of twain one new man. Having abolished in his flesh that enmity, the difference between Jew and Gentile. We really need to understand that. 
because in heaven, because of what I can, what I can see here, there is the unity of the spirit. There's only one body, one church, one spirit. When you get into heaven, there's not going to be Lutheran churches. There's not going to be Methodist. There's not going to be Presbyterian. There's not going to be Baptist. There's not going to be primitive Baptist churches. There's not going to be Catholic churches. There's not going to be any. I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to get anybody angry or mad at me, but there's not going to be any of that. There's only one church, one church, one body. If there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all, there's only going to be one church there. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see him. It's going to be awesome when that happens. You know, he it says, to make himself of twain one new man. We've, we've, I use the analogy of a marriage that, that he, he says the two shall become his one. And we will look at this. He had to, he had to make down that, break down that middle wall of partition so the Jew and Gentile could be one. If you look at it, when it talks about in the book of Acts, when the church met together, where did they meet, brother Roger? They met in the homes. They met in the homes. They weren't meeting in the tabernacle anymore because they would, they would have been thrown out. They would have been thrown out. So it was all what? To make Twain one new man, to make one church out of both people. Isn't that awesome? To make one church out of two people that at one time were so opposite. I was going to use a big word, but it means the same thing. They were opposite of each other. Just like we cannot serve what? You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve that. So these two people couldn't, couldn't continue serving one another or, or opposite things because they had to become one. They had to become one. Thus he makes one new man, one new church, and thus he makes and establishes peace. we got to understand that. Because there's one new man, one new church. And because of doing all of these things and what he did upon the cross, they are now at peace one with another. Now we got to understand, that doesn't mean that they had a perfect church, did they, Brother Roger? They didn't have a perfect church. Because remember, when Paul was, was going about, and I'm just... Taking this from memory, Brother Roger, so if I make say something wrong, but now I, now I lost my train of thoughts, but we, we need to realize that two became as one, and maybe I'll get my thought back. Senior moment, sorry. But we have to look at this, because when we see it, he, he makes peace each with another, and that's what we had to have. They had to have peace to be able to coexist. Okay, now, if I'm going to use Mabel and myself, Mabel and myself, if we're always continuing to arguing and this and that, whatever, we're bickering at each other, you know, it's hard to have peace in a house when you have that, do you? You can't have that peace. And it, it, it kind of says in the Bible, how can two walk together except they agree? So we have to have that peace to make the family as one unit. So 
to have that one church, Susie. He had to, he had to, he had to make down, break down that middle wall of petition and take away the things that were separating the two of them and bring them together in one. And that could only have been accomplished through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. It's only because of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit talking to us that brings us into the church. Because we had a, we had a wall of partition, I believe, brother Roger, separating us from God, separating us from Jesus Christ. You heard me say there was a time in my life I, I had no need for coming to church. I had no need of Jesus Christ in my lives, my life. He had to break it down. He had to break that wall of partition that was against him and me to see a what? Our need of a savior. And that's what Jesus Christ was doing here. You know, now they're at peace. You know, they, they worship the same God. They have the same Savior. See, they were looking for somebody totally opposite. I was going to use my big fancy word again, but they were totally opposite. You know what I mean? So it couldn't be brought together. It was only through Jesus Christ. Become, they became one in pursuit and aim. I wrote this down. I can't remember who, where, who I took it from, but it says, Jesus, I think this might have been Gil, I'm not sure. Jesus is the cornerstone in which they all meet and the head to which the whole body is joined. We're all, we're all joined together, aren't we? Um, you know, it talks about that. Um, in chapter 4 and verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the, unto the edifying of itself in love. You know, he says that we should not walk as other Gentiles walk, us and Jew and Gentile, you know. And it said that we have not so learned Christ, and we need to put off the former conversation, the old man, and be renewed in the spirit, and all these things as we, as we look at this and go along with, with everything with, with Jesus Christ. You know, and I said, you know, all the things I've been saying goes for just 14, 15, 16, and 17. All these, because it's all one sentence. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You know, when he slays that enmity thereby, it's not only, Brother Roger, the enmity between Jew and Gentile, but it's the enmity between God and a sinner. And a sinner. When we look at these things, he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. You heard me say before, it was only through the blood of the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is so good unto us all the time. You know, I, I, I hate to belabor, belabor, yeah, labor the point, but it's just God is so good unto us. That's what it's talking about here. He is so good unto us. You know, and it is, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. 
So he's preaching. He's peace to you. Those which were afar off. Who are the ones who were afar off? The Gentiles. And to those that were nigh unto him. The Jews. To proclaim the readiness of God to forgive and save both Jews and Gentiles. So we can see, you know, God, God has, has laid out a plan. God is in control. God has it, doesn't he? We need to, we need to fully understand this when we look at these things. You know, if we look at verse 18, for through him, for through him, now remember what I've said, it doesn't necessarily have to say who this is, him. For through Jesus Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We can both boldly approach that throne of mercy to find grace and help in time of need. Jew and Gentile, we can, we can both confidently approach that throne of mercy. And we can find grace to help in time of need. When we can look at it, when we can see the world that we're in today, we need the grace of God in this world today because we're really, the world has gone crazy, I believe. And it's, it's only, only through Jesus Christ that He can bring it all back together again. For through Him, we have access by one Spirit under the Father. When we look at that and we can see these things, and we can look in here in Ephesians and see other things that bring all of this out and everything, like in chapter 4 where it talks about there is just one. We know that one is what? In the Scriptures, one is that perfect number. That one. We're all one in Him. I exhort you to not only to, to, to read the Scriptures, and as I said at the beginning of this year, that we would study out the Scriptures, take our time as we go through it, and we look at these things and see the goodness of God. From Genesis to Revelation, you can see the goodness of God in everything. And it's, 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 not, been a, it's not been a perfect world. It's not been a perfect life. But one thing that we can hang our hat upon is that what? God is in control. God is in control, and Jesus is sitting upon his right hand. And this is what helps us in our daily lives. Just like this, when we look at this, and we realize that through 14 through 17, and even through 18, we didn't deserve any of the things that were in here. We didn't deserve to have him break down that middle wall of partition between us. We're thankful that he did. We are, we, we didn't deserve how he's preaching to each and every child of God in the world, whether Jew or Gentile. But we're thankful that he does. We're thankful for so much that he does for each and every one of us. You know, in verse, look at verse seven in chapter four. But unto every one of us is given Grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. 
when we look at these things, and you can look through this book of Ephesians and you see so much about the unity. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, this is perfect, but mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, he says we're not supposed to be children anymore tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men in cunning craftiness where they lie in wait to deceive. Because we're supposed to be what? We're supposed to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. So that we know that all these things that come upon us, different people that, that we might hear and preach or you might listen to the radio or whoever, that you can, you can realize that they're preaching truth or they're speaking error. We gotta watch out. Gotta watch out in the world today. <coughs> I hope you enjoyed what I had to say. Hopefully it'll help you in the world to understand where we are. And looking in, in, in chapter two, and we can see so much how we don't deserve these things, but we are thankful for them and what he's done for each and every one of us. I thank you for your kind attention today. <coughs> Does anybody have a song in closing?